Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to Holocron Histories, Star Wars canon versus legends. We're going to take a deep dive into the lore of the Star Wars universe. Hello and welcome to the Holocron Histories podcast where we talk about Star Wars canon versus legends and all of its lore. I am one of your hosts, Austin, also known as Teacup, and I'm here with my other host here. Yeah, Ben of Tamaria, as always. Yeah, and we've been teasing this episode probably for about two, three weeks. uh, Yeah, I would say so about two weeks or so. Yeah, so I am excited to talk about this, um, just kind of a background a little bit. What kind of brought this into the brain was this, there was a lot of fandom discussion around the great Jedi, especially with the events of Jedi Survivor and Hal's journey there and what that means for the fandom. And so I've always had strong opinions on the gray Jedi. And so I think it would be good to go through kind of what is said about all of that. Yeah. So like Austin said, uh, today's episode is about the gray Jedi. Now, mind you, this is legends only gray Jedi do not exist in Canon and Sorry to disappoint people who like Grey Jedi and like the ideal of Grey Jedi, which we'll get into in a bit. Uh, Lucasfilm has confirmed there will be no Grey Jedi in canon. And they announced that way back, uh, I think it was right, it was during the, the uh, when they were cr- uh, making the sequel trilogy. During that mm-hmm. time. Well. I want, I want to say it was during like episode eight. Is it when they were talking about it? Yeah, it was during episode eight because of the the whole thing with Luke. I think that, yes, they did say that, but it's also Lucasfilms. And so, who knows True, what's going to they, they, they could change it right off the bat if they ever wanted to. Now, if, now if since we all know KOTOR, Knights Old Republic is getting a full-on remake, and every game that uh, has come out since the Disney Takeover is has been canon. It's essentially foreseen that the KOTOR remake is essentially going to be canon. If that's the case, then through the KOTOR series, that's where the Great Jedi first intro- get introduced. 
essentially we could get them canonized even like what disney has said lucasfilm said like back in like 2016 2017 yeah um maybe we'll see yeah i i don't know i mean they did say there's gonna be changes but let's just get i will say that you might be surprised what Kotor actually says about the Great Jedi. And it's True. not what you think of when you think Great Jedi. Fair point. So to kick things off, we are so the gray the term Grey Jedi or Grey had two meanings. Uh, first it was used by Jedi and Sith to describe force users who walked the line between light and dark sides of the force without surrendering to the dark side, and second, it described Jedi who dish distant themselves from the Jedi High Council and operated outside the structure of the Jedi Code. However, those who were considered to be true gray Jedi met both qualifications and did not belong to any particular Force tradition. One example was Jolie Bendo, a former Jedi Padawan, and a gray Jedi that served the Old Republic. So, obviously gray meaning we all know the the term when we say gray Jedi, it's someone who is literally in between the light and dark. Yeah, it's like so it's the term gray Jedi come actually does come from Kotor and it has to do with how that game deals with your light and dark side alignment. So if you have no alignment either way, your character portrait looks smoky and gray yep. versus if you're full dark side it's red if you're light side it gets more blue yep. so the gray is neither one way yep so although the term did not directly refer to those who were capable of using both light and dark side of the force abilities all gray jedi could do so the term was similar to that of dark jedi in that they could refer to any force user and not only to jedi Uh, the term was sometimes used to refer as an unorthodox or distant Jedi who did not meet the strictest requirements to be in Grey Jedi. For example, the Je Jedi Qui-Gon Jinn was thought to be uh, by some members of the Jedi Order as a Grey Jedi for his disagreements with the High Council. A group of renegade Jedi called the Grey Paladins used the term this to describe themselves. They advocated minimal resi resilience on the Force and used of blasters, but otherwise held to the Jedi Code. Yes, yeah, so a lot of fan theory back during the prequel era, you know, early 2000s, a lot of people thought Qui-Gon was a Grey Jedi because of his lenient ways of the Force and not caring for the High Council's decisions whatsoever. Sure. I, I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> on... I can tell. <laughs> the, ...the Grey Jedi and Qui-Gon's role with the Grey Jedi. Yeah. But most of that has to do with canon, so I'll let this slide because it is Legends material. That's true. Uh, so the term dated back as far as the old Sith Wars when the High Council attempted to consolidate the power, power and centralize the Order. Some Jedi felt the Council did not have the authority to reinterpret the Jedi Code and consider themselves beholden only to the Force. 
These early Grey Jedi clashed with the Council over new restrictions of the Code, such as those bearing attachment uh, or restricting training. During this time period, Grey Jedi became ice. Uh, associated with a certain variety of robe, Bendo wore a version of these robes. The term was later used by the new Jedi Order to refer to the entire Force traditions that held views which differed from those of the Jedi but did not embrace the dark side. The Jinahasi and the Imperial Knights were two such organizations. And you can get those robes in KOTOR um, in the first game. So. Mm-hmm. So now we dry, dive into the history. So as the term came around, then they were introduced during the Great Sith War. That's where we're going to start. So we have the Great Sith War up to the Cold War. So, in the days of the Old Republic, the Jedi Order was largely largely decentralized. Ben. Yes. So, just for those of us who might not know uh, time and all of that, the Great Sith War, yes. if I understand it correctly, is when, like, the beginning of Swotor. Like, when the Sith returned to Korriban. No. Uh, oh. Because Swotor takes place in the Great Galactic War, mm. um, the Great Sith War was w- uh, before that. Okay, so, so I'm trying to remember, but not the Jedi Civil War. Correct. It, that's, that it, well, the Great Sith War is before the Jedi Civil War. So then, are we talking about before Exarchoon and all that? Are we talking about Naga Shadows War on the? Republic. Let me. Yes. So it is. It's Exarchoon's war. Okay. I couldn't remember um, on the top of my head. There's so many. So there's so many that... wars that like specifically have Sith in the title. <laughs> and then the Cold War, as I understand it, is what is happens after. A peace treaty is negotiated between. Correct. That is like for the events. the Republic and the new Sith Order or the Invitiate Sith Order. Correct. That is after the sacking of Coruscant during Kotor or Swotor, but before like the events of your character is created. Like there's a Cold War that's going mm-hmm. on, and then the, when the Sith return, boom. Or uh, when the all-out war with your like actual through game, that is what the Galactic, um, Great Galactic War. Right. All right. Good. Just wanted to clear that up. Yeah. <laughs> There's too many wars in Star Wars, hence the name. Uh, well, Star Wars. Yeah. I know, right? Uh, in the days of the Old Republic, the Jedi Order was largely decentralized. At this time, Jedi academies were spread throughout the galaxy. Jedi were also trained by individual masters without the benefit of an academy. The decentralization meant the Jedi were accepted into the Order, trained, and knighted without having to visit the galactic capital, Coruscant. Unlike the Jedi of later years, the Jedi at this time were fractured. Er, Fractious and unwilling to bow to their own central authority, the Jedi High Council. 
And then, however, between the beginning of the Great Sith War in 4000 BBY and the end of the Dark Wars in 3951 BBY, the Jedi went from the height of the power to a mere remnant of their existence. A war re- repeatedly spread through across the galaxy. Some Jedi came to believe that strong central authority was necessary. The Council, including such members as Rock, Lamar, and Atris revisit the Jedi, revise the Jedi Code in order to consolidate the control over the Jedi Order and institute stricter standards on the con- conduct of its members. And if anybody recalls the name Atris, she is a Jedi that you not have a so-called good welcome with in Kotor Two. Uh, she was on. She is on the cover art. For yes. all of KOTOR 2. Yes. She's on the cover art. She's the Jedi in white robes. Uh, striking towards, I think, Scion? On the cover? Nihilus. Nihilus on the cover. No, I thought Nihilus was the head of the cover. Like, he was the background and then... Well, there's a lot of nah, artwork depicting. There's one where the she's fighting box. Nihilus. Maybe the game box is her fighting Scion. But anyway, she... Uh, yeah, you can tell in that game she's a not-so-nice person, but uh, also is very strict in ways of the Jedi to where like she wants to hold power, which is also not a Jedi thing to do. Right. So, despite the Council actions, not all Jedi adhered to the Revised Code. Some objected to several of the new structures, such as those who were barred for training of any Jedi, hopeful over the age of four, that prevented Jedi from having families, and restricted the use of the Force abilities associated with the Dark Side. These individuals frequently clashed with the Jedi Council and were known as Grey Jedi to the Jedi and the Sith. In the Je- uh, Jedi Padawan, Jolie Bendo fought for the Galactic Republic in the Great Sith War against the Sith Lord Exar Kun, who sought to establish a new Golden Age of the Sith. After the war ended in 3996 BBY, Bendo abandoned the Jedi Order and became a Grey Jedi. In 3956 BBY, Bendo again took part in the major galactic events when he joined the, the Asamiak Jedi Revan, who fought against uh, Dark Lord of the Sith, Dark Malix, Sith Empire, until the end of the Galactic or Jedi Civil War, after which he was officially recognized by the Galactic Republic for his actions. Some Old Republic Grey Jedis wore custom Grey Warbs. Bendo once wore a unique version of these robes. And then, during the Cold War between the Galactic Republic and the reconstructed Sith Empire, shortly after the implementation of the Treaty of Coruscant in 3653 BBY, the Voss species was discovered on the planet of the same name. Voss Society isolated the mountaintop fortress as Voss Ka, and led by the totalization control of the Voss Mythics, who were considered to be grey by the Jedi and the Sith. Which I can, I can see. If you play Suatora, you do visit Voss, and you do have a planet story with them, and class stories specifically going to Voss Call, which is the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they are very gray because they don't see the Force as light and dark, 
or they do see it, but they don't use it. And then, yes. led by the visions of the mystics, the Voss had been defending their capital city from the assault of the hostile Gormak species for centuries before they revealed themselves to be a larger galaxy in foil, occupation plots by the both the Republic and the Empire. Both galactic governments then established ambassadors uh, in Voskal. The Voss mythics rejected the offering of teaching the Jedi and Sith in favor of their own dogma. Yeah. The Voss are a very interesting people. Um, mm-hmm. If you want to learn more and want to like interact with them, go and play Swotor. Um, Fun thing, the new update that's coming out, uh, 7.3, is adding more story to where we go to a new uh, area on Voss that deals with the whole Malgus uh, storyline that's going on for this year. Right. So, now we go to the new Sith Wars up to the Second Imperial Civil War. So, shortly after the end of the new Sith Wars and the Rusan reformations in 1000 BBY, the Jedi Chief Liberation or Librarian Restalili Quist? Quist. 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 Uh, wrote about the Grey Jedi in the Jedi training manual, The Jedi Path. Quest described, described Grey Jedi as mavericks and classified them as threat to the Jedi's teachings. Fun fact, you can go buy The Jedi Path on Amazon or anywhere with books. And if you want to reminder, because we have talked about this, the Rusan Reformations are a big deal. They're a very big deal in Star Wars lore, especially for Legends, and I guarantee they're going to come back in some form in canon eventually. Oh, I, I, uh, don't, I don't doubt that. Because basically what this does is it solidifies the Jedi as an arm of the Republic Senate. So they are now subservient to the Senate, which imposes a lot of restrictions and a lot of changes and there are a lot of Jedi who are unhappy with that. Yes. Um, now, with just a little side tangent here, uh, with them bringing that back, I feel like it's going to be... If they'll bring it back, it's going to be not as... It's not going to be as early as it is in Legends at, at like 1000 BBY. It's going to be probably at some point during the High Republic era. Because right. so are they in, subservient to the Senate in, in phase two public phase one phase one kind of they're not as like as they are like later in the prequels uh, to where they're like you can like senators are basically telling Jedi what to do at that point um, they are the, at their own accord but they do take considerations from the Republic. Mm-hmm. But they're not like a full-on like arm of the Republic yet. We are the Republic. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They do their own thing though. Like they, um, because yeah. you have the whole Wayseeker, uh, Jedi, mm-hmm. Wayseeker Jedi's who literally do whatever they want. They they have no stric- restrictions to the Council or anything. Right. So we'll probably see that at some point during the High Republic era. Rather being earlier than that. 
But who knows? Mm-hmm. So, centuries later, during the Stark Hyperspace War in 44 BBY, some Jedi were considered as gray simply for clashing with the High Council, not necessarily for ex- experimenting with the dark side the jedi qui-gon jinn was thought to be a great jedi by some members of the order for his frequent disagreements with the council which yes i can totally see that but it's also qui-gon being qui-gon and not he just doesn't care he he sees so through qui-gon's teaching the council is all about the living force where Qui-Gon is more with the cosmic force. And that's what he sees and why he disagrees with the council a lot because he goes more into the bigger picture more than the now kind of a thing. That's why he like wanted to train Anakin so bad. Because he saw him as the chosen one because of the prophecy and yada yada. Which he did turn out to be that, except for he slaughtered so many people. (laughs) Or I might have it backwards. He was with the living force and they were more with the cosmic force, one or the other. I'm trying to remember. But uh, Jedi Master... Taikoa expressed concerns over this. The master uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi confessed that he could see that some might view uh, Jin as a great Jedi. A faction of, of dis- distant Jedi at the time were used the term gray to describe themselves despite the depictions of the Jedi Code. This group of the gray J- paladins was an offshoot of the Tipo paladins. And then around in 19 BBY, near the end of the Clone Wars, a new sect of the Grey Jedi was integrally created when the Jedi Master Nija Halcyon uh, led a strike team to Susify to confront the fallen Jedi Nikdos Tyrus and his followers. Tyrus has uh, been studying the writings of the... Of Loran Noon, a Sith follower of Coons during the old Sith Wars, Tyrus and his most elite followers were killed by the Jedi strike team, but were other members of the cult of whom the Jedi did not be aware who survived the attack. See, where was all this during canon? Like, there's so much more, like, cool things that happened. Mm. <laughs> and then the survivors... Yeah. Well, go on. Oh, I just agree. I have lots of thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> uh, so these survivors were unable to interpret the Van Stark side teachings of Noon's writings and instead developed a unique force tradition known as the Jinnaharsi. Uh, when the Galactic Empire came to power, some Jinnaharsi offered their services to Emperor Palpatine and were slain. In response, the Jinnaharsi retreated into hiding. And then they reemerged in 11 ABY and became allies of the New Jedi Order. While the New Jedi Order was willing to accept Jinnaharsi students at the Jedi Paraxium, they were considered the entire order to be gray Jedi, although the Jinnahasi outwardly denied these claims. 
Kelbis Nu, a Jinahasi who was later trained as a Jedi, participated in the Yuzhan Von War in 26 ABY. And the Yuzhan Von War is a major event in Legends. Very, very, if you, like, it took all, both the Sith and the Jedi to stop them, of the Yuzhan Von. And then sometime after 41 ABY, ABY when Jagged fell, uh, was selected as the head of state of the Galactic Empire, the sect of Force users modeled after the Jedi Order and loyal to the Empire was established. The members of the organization became known as the Imperial Knights and were considered to be Grey Jedi by the Jedi Order. The Imperial Knights served the Empire for three generations during the Sith Imperial War and 127 ABY. Emperor Rowan Fell refused to allow the Imperial Knights to participate in the conflict conflict for fear they would fall to the dark side as they were instead served as his personal bodyguards and then when dark crate leader of the one sith uh plotted to assassinate fell at the conclusion of the war four imperial knights acted as decords for the emperor and were killed as fell made his escape seven years later emperor fell reappeared on the planet of bastion where he founded the Empire in Exile and initiated the Second Imperial Civil War, in which the Imperial Knights were a major factor. Imperial Knights participated in the assassination attempt against Darth Krayt on Had-Abaddon. Yeah, there's a a lot. There's a lot of info there for (laughs) history-wise. And a lot Mm -hmm. of it is before the events of the Clone Wars and well, well after the Galactic Civil War. Yes, very steeped in legend. Mm-hmm. So, do you, you want to go over your thoughts now or you want to wait before we do the mid-break? Took out one um, section to go through before mid-break. Let's wait till after the mid-break. Let's get through this. Okay. So now we have the traits and techniques. So the great Jedi called on the dark side of the forest, but were not corrupted by it and did not embrace it entirely. In fact, some great Jedi opposed those who embraced the dark side. Bendo fought against the Sith Empire during the Great Sith War and again during the Jedi Civil War. While great Jedi displayed the lack of adherence to the light side of the force, they were free of the dark side corruption. Beings who were corrupted by the dark side were not considered to be great Jedi, nor were Jedi who fell to the dark side were later redeemed. Still, some Jedi thought, thought that Grey Jedi carried the Dark Side's influence within them, even if the Grey Jedi did not always realize it. The term did not refer to Force users who believed they were no Dark side of the Force, as such individuals were instead followers of the Potatam. Grey Jedi displayed the use of both Light and Dark Side of the Force abilities in December demonstrated skill with techniques common to Jedi and Sith, such as the ability to construct and wield a lightsaber, as well as some unique force talents. Bendo acquired himself of being talented with Jedi mind tricks and was capable of using dark side techniques, such as force lightning. The Voss mystics were healers and were also extremely adept in prophecy, although they could not control when they would receive their force visions. The Jinahasi were capable of masking their presence in the forest and allow them to evade Jedi as well as Palpatine's Jedi hunters. They were also capable of a rare 
form of force throw that allowed the user to hurl small objects towards enemies at near lethal velocity. The Imperial and Knights... And I lost you. Huh? Yeah, I can't hear you. Hold on. Oh, no. Oh, it was real delayed. Got me now? Try again. Can you hear me now? Hello? Oh. Try. Yeah, something's going on. What? Hold on. Oh, talk again. Hello. Can okay, it's back now. Okay, that's weird. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just cut that out. So, yeah, yeah the Jinahasi were capable of masking their presence in the forest, which allowed them to evade Jedi, as well as Palpatine's Jedi hunters. They were capable of rare form of force throw that allowed the users to hurl small ob- objects towards enemies at near lethal velocity. The Imperial Knights were just as capable in the use of the force as Jedi Knights, though their training concentrated more on martial prowess. Imperial Knights displayed various force abilities such as self-levitation, telekinesis, and mind tricks. Both the Genahasi and the Imperial Knights utilized armor in combat and were familiar with the process of manipulating Cortis Ore, which I'm trying to remember what that is. A very tough material. Uh, other great Jedi wielded powers such as Ionize, a technique that deactivated and destroyed machines, and Force Thrust, a tech telekinetic attack similar to force push however the use of both light and dark side of the powers did not automatically evidence the individual being a great jedi mace windu used the vap vapad lightsaber form which drew from the dark side yet windu was one of the most stellar champions of the light side and the jedi order that is a very debatable thing of his lightsaber combat, I will say. He doesn't take things from the dark side. No. Um, and that goes into a lot of my thing. There's a lot of people that people think, and even this proves that the wiki is even fallible in this. Um, but there's a lot of people that claim people to be gray Jedi that are not gray Jedi when they mean drawing from both light side and dark side. Correct. Mace Windu is one of and those, when, and Qui-Gon, would, I would be considered one of those as well. Exactly. Um, but I have a lot to say. <laughs> and after then... The, uh, after we get through all of this. Yeah. And then, similarly, Kyle Katarn, a light side Jedi who later became a member of the new Jedi Orders, High Council freely used light and dark side abilities, encountered his students, Rosh Pennon and Jaden Kerr, to think the Force powers were mere tools such as thrown by a core and employing both Force Lightning and Electric Judgment. Yeah. But uh, at this point, it's probably a good time to take a mid-break and then we can get back with more Grey Jedi stuff and our thoughts. Because <laughs> uh, Austin yeah. has thoughts. <laughs> Yes. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. Well, welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about all the things that have to do with the show, but not the lore. And so here I want to remind you that we do have a Patreon. If you would like to sign up and join us on our patron chat, you can do that by going to holocron or patreon.com slash holocron histories and signing up. If you sign up at our $20 tier, you can join us once a month on the show to talk about a topic that you all choose. You, the patrons choose. And we come and we talk about it. Be anything from something deep, deep within the legends material or something as simple as like, let's talk about the Acolyte show. Anything like that. And you can do that. We also go live every Tuesday. Uh, Every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and 5 p.m. Pacific. And that's when we go live. We go live at twitch.tv slash Ben of Tamaria where we will stream this show every week. So if you want to come and like, I really want to tell them right now, if you're a person who talks to your podcast host while you're driving, uh, come on live and you can actually do that. Cause I do that. I do that. I talk to my podcast host while I'm driving. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I do that too. <laughs> uh, and so other than that, you can support us by leaving us ratings and reviews on Apple or Spotify. If you leave us a five-star review on Apple with some kind words, we'll read it out on a future episode of the show. And if you leave us a comment or question on one of our episodes, a kind comment or just a question that you want us to answer, we'll read that out on the show as well. You can do that through individual episodes on Spotify. Other than that, you can join us on Discord Tufts Podcasting and more Discord or the Robots Radio Discord. You can find us there, ask us questions, do all of that. You can find us on Twitter at Holocron Histories or at both of our names also. And yep. then uh, other than that, you can catch us on our other shows, the Assassin's Creed Lorecast and the Dragon Age Lorecast. And Ben also hosts the Witch, no, not the Witcher Lorecast, the I have had Wizarding guess, World. I have Lore- guests hosted that show. But I have my yeah. other show, Wizard World Lorecast, all things Wizard. Yeah, and you can, sh- yeah, you can check him out. You love Harry Potter, you love Dragon Age, you love Assassin's Creed. You can come check out our shows, do all of that. But other than that, that's all I got for the middle of the show. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to learn more, there's a lot of stuff coming out for all three of our other shows. Assassin's Creed has a really big announcement stuff here next week. Uh, Ubisoft Forwards next week. Oh yeah, that's right. Ubisoft they're announcing they an- they're announcing they're doing gameplay for Mirage. They're showcasing mm-hmm. Jade, and they just yes. announced they're doing showcasing Nexus, which is they're finally announcing the Oculus VR game. And I think they said they have yes. two or f- like one or two more Assassin's Creed announcements, or more than that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. They, they're heavily focusing AC on AC this yes. time. Also, this Sunday is Xbox Game Show, uh, oh, or whatever it is. Sunday. 
Yeah. yeah. They uh, have that. that that's followed by followed by Starfield Direct. Mm-hmm. And so finally get more gameplay on, on that. And then uh Bioware announced and EA some stuff. Well, uh there was a <laughs> new report saying uh so Swotor is going to go to a third party dev uh dev here starting possibly in the next month and Bioware will be focusing a lot more on Dragon Age and Mass Effect. Yep. And Swotor is I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, well, okay, the Swotor the new devs that will take over Swotor, fun fact, the guy who's in charge is a former Bioware VP and oh, okay. worked on Swotor. Who is it? When, um oh shoot, I can't remember his name on the top of my head. Um here I can just pull up the article real quick. I just had it. Oh, there it is. Uh it, the third party studio is Broadsword Online Games, which they do um currently is Ultimate Online and Dark Age of Camelot. But it is run by former Mythic Entertainment co-founder and Bioware VP Rob uh Denton. Uh, who previously worked on Old Republic when it in the early days of the game? <laughs> so, and I, I mean, I would imagine they're also probably moved the uh, Swotor team over to them or move some people over one of the two. But I have no concern over that. No, we'll see. But yep. but I'm yeah, excited I'm that they are pushing more for Dragon Age, though. Yes, because... I will say that. It's a much-needed thing. Anyway, yeah, let's get back more into Great Jedi. Okay, we're back from the break. You have thoughts. I have thoughts. You want to go drive into the thoughts? I want all the lore on the table. You want all the lore on the table, then do thoughts. Okay, so... Uh So now we have the relation relationship with the council. So while the term was used to refer force users who walked between the light and the dark, Jedi who were labeled as gray Jedi were distancing themselves from the Jedi High Council. This practice dated back to the days of the uh, back to the days of the Old Republic when the High Council was attempting to consolidate power. Uh, Jedi who frequently clashed with the will of the council were sometimes thought to be as gray, even though they did not necessarily walk the line between light and dark sides of the force. Around 44 BBY, Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn was thought to be a gray Jedi by some members of the Order for his weak, frequent opposition uh, to their demands. One group of renegade Jedi described themselves as gray, even though they were held to the same views as the Jedi Council on the subject of the dark side. The Tipo Paladins were Jedi who were removed from the Order for advocating the use of a wide variety of weapons, including blasters, rather than restricting the weaponry to Jedi lightsabers, and and from uh, them splintering a group that they called themselves the Gray Paladins. The group preached minimal resi- resilience to the force and advocated a more militaristic lifestyle in either, than either the mainstream Jedi Order or the Tipo Paladins. Despite these differences, some non-Jedi, such as a Jedi hunter, Ayura Singh, uh, viewed the Grey Paladins simply as Jedi. 
It was difficult uh, for unorthodox Jedi, especially those labeled as Grey Jedi, to join the Council or ascend to any position of real leadership within the Order. As the High Council chose its own members, they tend to be select more traditionalist Jedi. Jin's candidacy as a member of the High Jedi High Council was rejected first in favor of Plo Koon, and later the Korean Ki Adamundi, who were more of the council ways of thinking. Which is true, but he also, Qui-Gon also states he didn't want to be on the council regardless. Right, and this all comes from Legends, uh, and Canon Qui-Gon is a little different than this, if you have read Master and Apprentice. Yes. But, again, this goes back to what definition of Great Jedi are you using? Yeah, pretty much, yep. So, now we have known Great Jedi. So, first off, we have none other than the first Great Jedi that we were introduced to in the Legends material is Jolie Bendo. So, Jolie Bendo was a human male Jedi who lived uh, in 4000 BBY. In his youth, Bendo developed a relationship with a human female mercenary named Namana and married her against the Order's Code. This infraction led to the creation of the phrase, pulling a Bendo. Bendo revealed, <laughs> realized that uh, Namana was strong in the Force and attempted to train her, despite still being only a Padawan in the Jedi Order himself. When the Sith Lord Exarkun instigated the Great Sith War, Ninoma asked Bendo to follow her in joining Kun's Brotherhood of the Sith. When Bendo refused, she attacked him, realizing Ninomona had fallen to the dark side. Bendo dueled and defeated her, but could not bring himself to kill her. She went on to kill many Jedi during the war until she was slain in the war's final battle on Yavin 4. Bindo was put on trial uh, by the Jedi Council after the war, both to explore his culpability in regard of Nimona's actions and to evaluate his pace and order when they forgave him for any blame and attempted to to elevate him uh, from the rank of Padawan to that of a knight. The guilt-ridden Bindo felt the order had failed him, and he separated himself from the Jedi Order completely. He operated as a smuggler in the Outer Rim territories until he crashed on Kashyyyk, where he remained in the self-improvised exile. Near the end of the Jedi Civil War, he met Jedi Revan in the Shadowlands of Kashyyyk and joined him in the campaign against the Dark Lord Darth Malak. Bendo was awarded the Cross of Glory for his part, a part in the defeat of the Sith Empire. He was a self-described Grey Jedi. And then now we have the Jinahasi. So the Jinahasi were an order of force users from the Surbai system who arose during the Clone Wars during the teachings of the Old Sith War era. Sith named uh, Loran Noon formed by the Jedi, fallen Jedi, Nikdos Tyrus. The Jahasi ph philosophy and methodology was a blend of Sith and Jedi teachings, although they maintained the discipline necessary to resist corruption by the dark side and focused mostly on defensive tactics and force abilities. After the death of Tyrus in the hands of the Jedi uh, Nija Halcyon, the succeeding member of the Jahasi, a human female apprentice of Tyrus who went by the title of Sarah Kar, 
was unable to interpret the higher dark side teachings that Tyrus had been studying. The Sarah Carr taught the fellow Jurahasi that she did know, emphasizing the values in community defense and avoiding confrontation. In doing so, she unwillingly led the Jurahasi away from the darkness. And at first, the Jurahasi Carr opposed the Jedi, viewing them as an aggressive off-world threat due to the actions of House and Strike Strike Team. However, after the fall of the Galactic Empire, uh, the Jinahasi made peace with the new Jedi Order and even sent students to learn at, ma- uh, at Master Luke Skywalker's Jedi Praxium on Yavin 4. They were considered great Jedi by both the Jedi and the Sith for the practices of certain members. However, the Jinahasi themselves outwardly denied these claims. And then now we have the Imperial Knights. So the Imperial Knights were an order of Force practitioners loyal to the Emperor of the Fell Empire. They were fully trained in the ways of the Force and rejected the dark side of the Force. Unlike some of the Force-based organizations of Emperor Palpatine's Galactic Empire, such as the Prophets of the Dark Side. In contrast to the Jedi, who believed strongly in meditation and introspection, the Imperial Knights took a pragmatic view of the Force. Uh, to an Imperial Knight, the Force was a powerful tool that required care and respect. Although they did not adhere to the dark side, they followed the light, light side and directly through the figure of the Emperor that were viewed as gray by the Jedi Order. During the Second Imperial Civil War in 137 ABY, the Imperial Knight, Knights made alliances with both the Galactic Alliance Remnant and the Jedi Council to oppose Darth Krayt's Galactic Empire. Alright. And now, before we do our thoughts... I have behind the scenes, real quick. So, defined as between light and dark, so the term Grey Jedi was introduced in Star Wars Republic, the Stark Hyperspace War, as a descriptor through the Jedi Qui-Gon Jinn. The definition of the Grey Jedi was an apostate of the Jedi Order who played both sides of the Force and was aligned eventually evenly between the two and added the self-described Grey Jedi Jolene Jolie Bendo in the Star Wars Nice Little Republic video game. In addition, Legacy 2006 in the Jedi Academy training manual claimed that the term was used to describe those who dabbled in both both sides of the Force without becoming corrupted by darkness. However, the dark side corrupted those who used it. The Lucasfilm Story Group, which upholds Lucas' concepts of Star Wars, has stated that the notion of Grey and Grey Jedi contradicts the principles of the Force established by Lucas. The definition for true Grey Jedi was appeared in the Jedi Academy training manual further described them as those who do not belong to any Force-based organization who explored both the light and the dark sides of the Force without becoming corrupted by the dark side. Despite this, it was stated in the Jedi Academy training manual that the new Jedi Order considered the entire Force tradition of the Jedihasi to be gray. And additionally, the Imperial Knights were confirmed to be considered as gray by the new Jedi Order in Legacy 2006 and Star Wars The Legacy uh, Zero and a Half, which these are all comics. Uh, the Voss Mystics were verified to be gray in the Creating Worlds developer blog for the Star Wars The Old Republic video game. And then defined as a Grenegade Jedi. So, however, the item called Grey Jedi Robe appeared in the Knights of the Old Republic sequels, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, The Sith Lords, 
which defined Grey Jedi as a fully trained Jedi who simply operated independently from the Jedi Council and specified that they may not necessarily have been users of the dark side. The NASA Old Republic Companion Guide and Jedi Path Manual for the Students of the Force follow the same definition and the Coruscant Knights number 1 Jedi Twilight novel introduced a group of renegade Jedi called the Great Paladins that were portrayed and removed from the Order yet devoted of dark side influences or practices. So yeah. That's what we got on behind the scenes. You're muted. Okay, so, as we know, Great Jedi are not canon. They have Correct. not been established in the canon. Correct. Even though they have been established in the Legends canon, I want us to really kind of talk about how we interpret things. And this is what really gets me. Video game mechanics are not lore mechanics. Agreed. That is, yes. Yeah. Just because Starkiller can shock a bunch of people with Force Lightning does not make him a Grey Jedi. Nope. You have a you have a clear and I'll talk about individual characters, but this is important. Like developers know that we're gonna want to feel cool and use Force Lightning and all of these cool powers. They know that we'll play the game when we can use cool force powers and do weird magic shit. Like they they know we will buy the game and we will play the game, so they put that stuff in there. Knowing that, knowing that like video game mechanics are not a lore mechanic. For example, it's why Starkiller is so much more powerful in the game than he is in his novels. Agreed. Yeah, and a fun fact, fun funny not fun fact, but funny enough, I even like I if you go on our Discord, I we were talking about Starkiller on our on I think it was on the spoiler or the lore discussion part of Holocron Histories on the Cups Podcast and More Discord. Talking about Starkiller specifically. The game version of Starkiller is specifically made to be super overpowered because it's a game. If you go and yes. read the books, which I've had I've read both Force Unleashed One and Two in the novels. Starkiller is really on par with Obi-Wan. He's just more, much more skilled and much more, I would say, nimble because obviously of how his training is. And he's dabbled in the dark side of the Force. And that's why he has an upper edge when he fights Vader because he uses the dark side rather than, you know, he, he's, and he doesn't even consider himself as a Jedi anyway. He doesn't, he just, he's just a Force wielder. Right. Um, and there's a difference between that and this idea of Grey Jedi. And I'm going with these. There are two definitions. You have your Grey Jedi as someone who walks the line between light and dark without succumbing to the dark side. Or uses the dark side without succumbing to that. Or you have someone who is at odds with the will of the Jedi Council. Mm -hmm. The Jedi High Council, specifically. Because if we want to bring in Legends lore, there are several councils yes um but so this is a quote i'm mainly going to be debunking the gray jedi as someone who walks between light and dark without succumbing to the dark side because that's the definite i'm okay with the definition of 
everyone wants to argue with the Jedi Council. Like, yeah, because it's just going to happen. <laughs> right. So, but I want to read this quote from Yoda. That it's one of my favorite Yoda scenes of the entire everything. And it comes from Empire when he's training Luke. He says, yes, a Jedi's strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the Force are they. Easy, Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. Consume you it will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Luke, Vader, is the dark side stronger? Yoda, no. Quicker, easier, more seductive. But how am I to know the good side from the bad? You will know when you are calm, at peace, passive. A Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for an attack. Luke, but tell me why I can't. Yoda, no, there is no why. Nothing more I will teach you today. Clear your minds of questions. Which asking Luke to clear his mind of questions is like asking water not to be wet. Um, but that's a good, that's a fair point. That's true. <laughs> this is an important thing. And the two things that are on here that I really want to talk about is once you start down the dark path forever, will it dominate your destiny? And the other thing of is the dark side stronger? No, quicker, easier, more seductive. This is an important theme throughout all of Star Wars, is that the dark side tries to convince you that it's the way to go. But you should know that it ultimately leads you to failure. As yes. it does for the Emperor, as it does for Vader, as it does for... Kylo Ren, as it does for Darth Malak, as it does for Darth Krayt, as it does for Darth Bane, as it does for Darth Xana, as it does for Darth Malgus, as it does for Vitiate, as it does for all of these people throughout all of Star Wars. Yeah. The dark side ultimately ends to their failure and their destruction. And it, it just goes with the... So, and it literally just ultimately goes to that yes, the dark side wants to, it tempts you. It wants you to think it's the powerful thing, but it's just a shortcut to yeah, temp limited like temporary power until you're you know thrown out of power or beheaded or something. Um, right, and it it also comes to where like George Lucas, his whole point of the Force, the light and dark is morality there's good and there's yes. bad it's a morality style and there you can't be one or the other you you have to be one or the other there is no between in morality i i agree you like there are some things that exist that are either good or they are either evil mm -hmm. and there are some absolutes that exist in that world and I know only a Sith deals in absolutes, but that itself is an absolute. So there you go, Obi-Wan. Um, but this is another point of another kind of point to debunk a little bit, because a lot what a lot of people point to at like 
They like to throw in the term balance of the force. And they like to throw in the Mortis arc from Clone Wars. But that just... And, it, it just emphasized more but, the original concept of the force. <laughs> right. So this is a point that they use. It's because like Anakin's ultimate destiny is to have control both over the embodiments of the light side and the dark side. When you are thinking of Star Wars, you cannot remove it from the context in which George Lucas was writing it. And George Lucas is an American writing this in the context of the Vietnam War and the Cold War. This war that seemed that it would go, this conflict that seemed like it would go on forever and it wouldn't end. So George Lucas's idea of peace and balance is a cease to conflict. When Anakin holds both the son and daughter in the Mortis arc, he is ceasing their conflict. The role of the father is not to be in the middle. It's to keep the two from destroying each other. Mm -hmm. By And George Lucas has ultimately said the balance of the force is about removing the toxicity from the force. The toxicity being the dark side. Anakin brings balance to the force when he destroys the Sith. Balance isn't brought when the Jedi are wiped out. Balance is brought when Palpatine and Vader are finally destroyed. And so the Mortis arc is not an example of like, oh, everyone should be a great Jedi because Anakin's ultimate destiny was to walk this fine line between gray and dark. No, that wasn't his ultimate destiny. And even if we take the Mortis arc, the will of the force was not for the son, daughter and father to remain. Because if we want to talk about the force, the force willed Anakin to go down the, and make the choices that he does. And they're not around by the time the original trilogy comes on. True. So that's one thing. My other thing, I have a long list of people that always point to when they show gray Jedi, and I'm going to debunk every single one of them. Which all of them, yeah, I agree. Like none of so, these are. Jolie Bendo, which we talked about a lot in this episode and often is described as a gray Jedi. But if you talk with Jolie, if you go into the game and you have his conversations, and ultimately, if you choose the dark side ending, Jolie's response to you is, no, I am a Jedi. I will walk this path of the light. Yeah. Now, you get that comment if you've killed Juhani, and Jolie is the only one with you in the Rakatatan temple. So... He says, I'm a Jedi and I will not do this. This is the point. Jolie is so firmly on the light side. He just disagrees with the council, which does it, make him a gray Jedi in that definition. Yes. But he doesn't dip into the dark side. He doesn't allow his anger to overtake you. In fact, and throughout the game, he's cautioning you against being rash, against being angry, against drawing in from the dark side. Yep. Qui-Gon. He's gray in the second definition again, just like Jolie. Yeah. He, he just, just like disagrees Jolie. with the council. He just does his own thing in huh. to serve but, the force force in a higher purpose. Right. Qui-Gon is a Jedi. He considers himself a Jedi. He dies a Jedi. He dies for the pursuit of the light side. He doesn't use the dark side. He's constantly calm. He's constantly, he's in tune to the will of the living force, which is what he, 
cautions Obi-Wan to do, but he's cautioning Obi-Wan to do that, not to break away from the Jedi or go against the council, but to be a better Jedi. And that's the point that I think is attention that Qui-Gon holds is that Qui-Gon has all these critiques of the Jedi council, but he never once leaves the Jedi order. He is introduced to us as a Jedi master and he dies a Jedi master. He is never exiled. He is never cast out. He never leaves himself. And if you look into the master and apprentice thing, he's constantly thinking about like, what is our role as embodiments of the light side? He doesn't walk this line of light and dark. And we've already kind of talked about a couple of the next one, but another one that people point to is Ahsoka. And I just have to say the embodiment of the daughter follows Ahsoka around in everything that she's in. Yeah. Just she is a paragon of the of light. the light side. Yeah. Yep. Right. And I know she has the whole quote with Vader of saying like I am no Jedi. But I think that's her br- a brush but... with temptation with with the with the dark side is not is not a point of like you're a gray Jedi. And I'm going to get into this with Cal a little bit. Like having this dip into temptation with the dark side is not you walking this line and using it. Ahsoka doesn't use, she uses her anger and drive to do that, but it's more that she uses her love for who Anakin was to drive her. And even though she's like, says specifically, she doesn't see herself as a Jedi. She's still a warrior of light period. Mm -hmm. Regardless if she sees being a Jedi or not, she's still a warrior of light. Because, I mean, how do you think she has white crystals, for crying out loud? She purifies a corrupted kyber crystal to have its white shine and white color. She heals it. She heals a blood crystal. And so, and now we have Mace Windu, who is a little trickier because Bapad, in lore, like, does utilize anger and aggression but i think it it utilizes emotions it doesn't utilize the dark side and i think this is a a good point of like this tension that we have to deal with with the jedi and like kind of their own corruption that happens in the prequel area especially with like their ban on romantic relationships and attachment like kanan jarus is a great example of how you have attachments, but are willing to let go of them to serve a higher purpose. The reason attachments are bad for Anakin is because he can't let them go. Correct. He can't. He, he They rule him. He is not in control. He lets his passion and attachment control him to that he's willing to sacrifice anything to keep them, whereas Kanan is willing to sacrifice himself it's essentially them alive it essentially goes to the point where kanan uses emotions he he uses emotions but he doesn't let them control him compared to anakin where anakin uses emotions but his emotions fully dictate everything he does correct and this kind of brings us into another gray Jedi that I'm going to, people are going to look at me and go like, Austin, what are you talking about? Revan is not a gray Jedi. He's a Jedi. Well, at the time he's of his a death, Jedi. he's a Jedi. <laughs> yes. At the time of his death, he's a Jedi. And like, 
we can talk about the Revanarchists and the Revan Reborn and the Swotor arcs and all of that. But the ultimate thing about that is that Revan splits his dark side personality from himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to bring from the Revan novel when he's talking about his his teachings that the Jedi don't want him teaching. Because he's bas- they basically come to an agreement of like, you don't teach your philosophy to our students and we'll let you keep your wife. That's the agreement that they come to. But his teachings are more of the fact that every Jedi has to experience what it's like to fall to the dark side before they can truly understand what it means to be in the light. Yeah. Which kind of brings me to Cal. Like, Cal is also not a gray Jedi. No. Even though he's di- he's dipping himself into where he's using the dark side in Jedi Survivor, he has to be pulled back. He falls to the dark side and is pulled back in the last moment. And I know it's quick, but that whole scene on the Imperial, on the, the ISB base, after Bode escapes, Cal has fallen to the dark side. And Marin has to pull him back. And he has to learn to like live with his emotion and not let it own him. But I think it goes back to a point that I wanted to make of like, we always talk about how Anakin and Vader are not anywhere near in power levels. And like Vader is a shell of the power that Anakin Skywalker is. And I firmly believe that it has nothing to do with the fact that Vader lost all his limbs and was burned alive and is in a suit that is uncomfortable and he can't breathe. I think it has everything to do with that. Vader has nothing to fight for anymore. Oh, yeah, because he lost everything that he held dear. And he basically has until Luke, like Vader finding out about Luke and Leia, that's like, oh, my God, I actually have something left of my from my past and that's kind of you know obviously that's how he gets turned from his own son but yeah like during the time when he served the emperor as lord vader he he like he he was very powerful and he did the things that to do what he as sith needed to do but was he as powerful as when he was a jedi as anakin skywalker when he had you know his master the jedi order the republic his brothers in arms, Padme, with the Padme, like, yeah, and Ahsoka. Like mm-hmm. Anakin used the reason Anakin is so powerful is that he allowed his love for others to driven to drive his power. And I love that Ahso- quote from Ahsoka that says, "What would have surprised you is how kind he was, and how much he cared about those close to him." And I think that drove Anakin's power level and all of that and Revan is kind of a similar way of like understanding attachments and understanding that you need to get into you need to understand what it's like to truly give in before you can truly resist mm-hmm. and Cal is that way and it's when that Marin pulls him back and he realizes that there's something that like I have to I have to come back because otherwise I'm going to lose the last person that I can, the last two people that I care about, which in Grease and Marin. 
And so is that. And then when he he only gives in to this dark side, he only masters his emotion when it looks like Marin is going to do that, is going to be killed. Yep. By both. And so, no, he's not a great Jedi. Galen Merrick is not also not a great Jedi. No. Depending on your choices, you make a choice, light or dark. And he, yes, he can use Force Lightning, but again, it's just not, it's not what's going on here. And if you go with the novelization version, which is the canon legends material, um, he is a, he chooses the path of the light, he chooses the path of a Jedi, Yes, does he has force lightning? Yes, he has, you know, force force powers that, you know, are considered dark side, but they're force powers. That doesn't define his actions being on the side of the light. Right. Also, and this is one we talked about, I also do not believe that Kyle Katarn is also not a dark Jedi, or not a gray Jedi. And, like, again... The ability of him telling Jaden Kaur and Rosh Posh that you can use the dark side is a game mechanic, is not a lore mechanic. It's them attempting to say, hey, here's a lore reason for this. But it's it's just a game mechanic for you to use the cool powers that we all want to use. Because in, let's be honest, who in a video game doesn't want to feel cool? Like, that's I do. I want to feel cool in the video game. And then Luke's new Jedi Order is also not living in this gray, even though they allow attachment and they allow all of this. They're not using the dark side. In fact, Luke teaches vehemently that to resist the dark side. And even Luke in canon, like, even though he has a moment of giving into the dark side, it's still not a great Jedi. Even him living in the hermit and being like, oh, the Jedi Order were arrogant. They need to die and die out. The Jedi need to go away. Like, that's not the Luke in his true self. True. And that's kind of what Yoda in that scene kind of brings him back to is like, you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah, I love that's, that. That's, scene. that's the whole scene. You're an idiot. Let me set this tree on fire. And this all comes up to that Star Wars when it was written, when George Lucas sets out to write this. And if you have not watched it, go on Disney Plus right after this episode and watch the Empire of Dreams documentary. It'll put so much context and so much behind the scenes into the creation of Star Wars. George Lucas wanted to write a story about good versus evil with good. Can you hear me now? Yes, now I can hear you. All right. So anyway, what I was saying was that George Lucas's intention for Star Wars was always to be about a battle of good versus evil. And good winning that's the important key here good winning the light side wins over the dark side and this comes back to like balance is not what you think it is balance is not oh there are two sith and there are two jedi balance is a cease to conflict it is a cease to the dark side constantly clawing its way to try to corrupt the good and it's one of the reasons that I get so frustrated by Palpatine's return in Rise of Skywalker because I'm like, we did this already. Right. Like, I know peop- people criticized Return of the Jedi because it was like, oh, we're just fighting the Death Star again. 
the same thing with Rise of Skywalker. Like, we did this already. Palpatine was destroyed. Like, what is the point of Anakin in the in Rise of Skywalker? And ultimately, he fails. Ultimately, Luke fails. Like, Star Wars needs to be about this good versus evil and good winning. Now, people can be gray. People can have think moments of, oh, I've gone to the dark side, but then I need to come back. And that can be good. And, like, Vader is gray in his morality in that, like, he falls and then he comes back and all of that stuff. And that's perfect. But all in all, the idea of a Jedi who intentionally uses the dark side but doesn't fall to it misses the point. Misses the point. The the whole idea misses the point of Star Wars. And it misses and it falls into the trap of the dark side, which the ultimate trap of the dark side is it tries to convince you it's the light side. It's why that moment between Anakin and Obi-Wan, when he says, from my point of view, the Jedi are evil. And Obi-Wan says, then you are lost. Because Obi-Wan knows now that Anakin thinks that the dark side is the light side, he's truly fallen. Yep. Because that's the trap. It thinks you, oh, I'm doing things good. Like, I have to do this to do what's right. I have to give in to do what's right. That's the trap of the dark side. And really, in my opinion, to make these gray Jedi who walk the line between light and dark as a sense of like, this is the better way to be is a disservice to the world Lucas creates. I would agree with that. that with everything that Austin has said, I agree. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I've said it multiple times on this show. Like my favorite character in Star Wars is always going to be Revan, but Revan is not gray. Like what we've talked about, for my favorite character, has he walked both paths? Absolutely. At his core, he will always be a Jedi, and yes. he he only turned to the he only turned to the dark side because he was you know brainwashed anyway. So, <laughs> and ultimately, Revan's sacrifice and even his events in Swotor themselves, Revan sits there and continually fights the Emperor, fights Vitiate for, for three whatever three hundred years. He's in a uh, stasis and constantly fighting him away to where that's the reason why he hasn't invaded the galaxy prior to the events of Swotar is because Revan was holding him back and influencing his his actions with his own thoughts through the Force. Right, exactly. And I think... This is the point, like, you know, and Swotor has the bad habit of, you know, it was Vitiate all along. Like, here's this new villain up. It was Vitiate all along. Yeah, that's true. Until after you finally destroy Vitiate after, like, I think the, I think the, when they finally added that act, it was like, six or seven years into the game i was like oh yeah you can actually finally kill him (laughs) well he you don't even get to kill him no well you do you do actually not in the main story it's past the expansions 
uh, it's past the two expansions. But I thought where you actually do destroy him, you destroy him through like. I thought Arcan. I thought Arcan kills him. Uh, no. Well, of course. So you go into a separate world, essentially, where you fight Vicious in the three forms he was known as, mainly. And you and Satil Shan and all your allies that you gathered up uh, fight him in this world. And finally mm. destroy him with, within the Force. So he's, like, gone forever. Right. Well, yeah. Go play Sword yeah. Play the Jedi Knight storyline because that's great. Like the best class story. You heard it from Austin on Holocron Histories. Grey Jedi are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hope we don't get backlash on that. But anyway, it's yes. whatever. You can come for me. You can come for me. I'll be the one who gets hate. Come for me, buddy. Oh my gosh. Come into my Twitter but- DMs. Don't actually do that. Yeah, don't please do don't that. do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but yes, I agree with Austin. Like, Grey Jedi is a cool concept, and the and the fact of you know game mechanics and when it was like really introduced in Kotor. Um, but as a staple thing in the Star Wars universe, as we are known as, Grey can exist only in the second definition as not obeying to the Council. You can't you Which, can't walk between honestly, light and dark. That there's no possible way you can do that. Honestly, same. <laughs> but yep, that's a, what we got for this episode. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. And may the force be with you. Thank you for listening to Holocron Histories, Star Wars Canon versus Legends. You can find us on the Robots Radio Discord at robotsradio.net. You can also follow us on Twitter at SWHoloHistories and contact us at HolocronHistories at gmail.com. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide. Available wherever podcasts can be found.